Hi everyone, I'm Daria Wertheim and you've reached Startup for Startup. And today we'll be discussing pivots and more accurately, going from almost closing down the company uh, into building a billion dollar company uh, only by using a pivot. So with me here uh, to share his story is Joe Thomas. Hi, Joe. Hi, Daria. Um, the co-founder and CEO of Loom. And in just in a sentence, I'll tell a little bit about the company to those of you who don't know it. Um, so Loom provides video communication software for work. And since you started in 2015, you've raised $200 million. And currently, according to Forbes, you are valued at $1.5 billion. Am I right? That is correct. Okay, amazing. So today we'll talk about how you went from being two weeks before your runway ends into building a successful company that keeps growing. And what are the lessons that you've learned along the way? Shall we begin? Let's do it. Startup for Startup. Sharing knowledge, experience and insights from one startup to another. So let's start at the beginning. Like we said that you started in 2015. What was your initial idea? The initial idea was there was three of us co-founders, Shahid, Vinay, myself. We had a good distribution of skills, design, engineering, and I was a product manager. And we felt like we should start building together. So we said we needed to show up one Sunday because we still had full-time jobs to a whiteboard. It was actually virtual. And we each needed to bring three ideas to the table. And they were like very different ideas. The one idea that I was the most passionate about was I felt like there was a lot of food waste in the world, that there was technologies that should enable the ability to take food leftovers at restaurants, deliver it to a food pantry. And the reason why restaurants would do that is they get a tax write-off. And we could just use Uber's API to have the infrastructure in place. Um, but we ended up being a little bit smarter about it, is what I'd say. And we wanted to do two things. We wanted to build for the workplace because we didn't think we were cool enough for consumer. And consumer is like much, much harder to yeah. build. And then the other part is... We wanted to build in something that we like collectively were personally passionate about, um, which was video. Like we were using Snapchat to communicate all day, every day. And that was visual in nature. It was like primarily short form video, and that we sh would show up to work each day, and there's no video at work. Right? Like there's barely even video conferencing back in like 2014, 2015. And we felt like, Video in the consumer landscape was so large that we wanted to start building for video products at the workplace. Now I can get into the actual idea, which was a not so good idea, you know, but only learned in retrospect is that we thought we should build a video communication layer for a two-sided marketplace. So essentially, you could pair up product experts, like designers, engineers, product managers, whomever, with companies on the other side who wanted external feedback for things that they were working on, whether it's a design file or whether it was like a product requirement doc, whether it was like a live product offering. It was actually a majority of recordings that were done. Um, and you would set up microtransactions. So we had to handle the payment layer too of like, you get paid $100 for 30 minutes of your time to oh, record so a video. Oh, so it wasn't even a SaaS solution. 
at first place? Well, the the SaaS solution you could say was that like we built the video layer, so we made it really easy for people and experts to record, and then that got delivered to like the folks on the other side. And so yeah. that was the software as a service part. But we were also thinking that there needed to be economics to incentivize the experts to actually do it. Yeah. Um, and so SaaS plus is what you could say. Okay, so you had the, this initial idea and what happened with it? So we ended up building that over the course of two months. And we thought we were doing all the right things along the way to get the feedback that we needed that this was a worthy idea. Um, mistake number one was that we were going to our friends and asking them what they thought about it, you know, because a lot of our friends were the product experts that we would want to be on the platform initially. So we were kind of like warming up that side of the network and everybody was like, yeah, I want to get paid for my time. And I got a bunch of time that I could give and it's leaning right into my expertise. Um, but the other side of the network was the more important one that was harder to get at which was like organizations who would be willing to pay for those sorts of services. Um, and so our thinking was that, well, we just needed to create some of the supply side from an expertise perspective. And then once we had built the software in between for video, um, that we could actually just go to the organizations via things like Product Hunt, and that we'll get the feedback then. Like that if you'll have enough users like on the on the builder side then the enterprise will come like they see they they have like you have enough to offer then they will want to use the product yeah that we would do the initial distribution through product hunt but that we would then do call it more traditional uh pipeline generation through you know i had my gmail spam filter turned on because hmm. i was sending so many emails on a daily basis wow um, just like cold emails cold emails to organizations call it like I, we looked at Crunchbase. we saw which organizations has raised at least a series a uh, so that way we knew that they had money to potentially spend on services like that um and that you know it felt like we didn't want to go to public companies because we had no idea. We, none of us had worked at one of those and yeah. we didn't know how to speak their language hmm. to, to some degree. So um, that was the initial offering. So I, I think what you're describing right now is such a classic situation of, of pretty much, I don't know, so many SaaS startups that are just starting out and don't necessarily have relevant connections in, in large organizations or even like totally. A plus startups. And they turn, like, the the only solution they have is, like, sending cold messages, either email or LinkedIn. And, you know, the, the odds of succeeding here are very small. So, like, how, what did you do at that point? Like you said, you had, like, you, you were spamming people. Yeah, I mean, our, our whole thing, like, our, we were not smart. <laughs> It's, like, the simple <laughs> thing. Like, we, we thought uh, we would launch on Product Hunt. And once we did that, that would be the like um, demand side of the marketplace being the organizations. And then from there, we thought that, you know, like it's a two-sided marketplace. So do experts start telling their own organizations and other organizations about um, open test is what we called it. And would organizations end up telling, you know, we, we thought that the flywheels would start going. It's so like you a, were a, counting, a naive assumption. Yeah. You were counting on... on starting strong at product hunt and then going like by word of mouth, just like by recommendations. Word of mouth, but 
we very quickly realized that post product hunt launch 12 hours is like we got a bunch of signups and then the next day we got a handful you know so mm -hmm. like the network did not start going and that's when we started sending the emails it was like the we had set kpis for ourselves send 150 a day wow um and it was a grind because you know we had one engineer and cto co-founder vinay and then there was two of us who were non-technical product manager and designer and if he's building things that we thought would make the platform better and help it spread itself, like that was his job. Shahid and mine was like, get the customers, you right. know, get them, get the um, network effect going. And so that was our goal. We scraped Crunchbase. We asked, we, we would straight up ask friends, like, can you send us over email lists for your company? Um, and uh, that's technically illegal, but like <laughs> we did whatever we possibly could. Yeah. Um, but the thing was, like, it was very it, like that only lasted for two weeks, right? We knew that that was unsustainable. It got much much harder to find those hundred emails a day. And again, we were hitting the spam filter. That's like hard to come back from. Right? Yeah. So what what is the next distribution strategy? Like, it was a big question mark. But we had started getting enough feedback from folks that we were ready to actually change the idea because essentially within it was two months to kind of like build that and warm it up but it was only two weeks to realize that that wasn't going to work two or three more lessons that i i take from from this part of the story is first the understanding that you are looking for a product that people will recommend to to others right mm -hmm. so it didn't happen this time but you were actually building on it like you you really wanted it to happen and when it didn't happen it made things way way harder so that's the first thing and the second is like learn quickly like you you already mentioned that you started to receive feedback from initial users and you used it to understand that this is not what you're supposed to build and you need to to change an idea yep Yep. I mean, I think that the we didn't definitively know that none of us wanted to do the sales side of it going into the initial build phase. You know, my my dad was a salesman. My grandpa on my mom's side was a salesman. Like we generally have a family of salespeople. So I was <laughs> like, oh, I, I can do it. But after two weeks of doing not we, we weren't booked end to end, but maybe we had like two to three calls a day of like companies that we were looking to kind of like purchase some of the expert network. I was like, man, this is energy taking, you know, like it's not something that I want to do. It certainly wasn't going to be Vinay because he's the only one that could build software. Right. And as Shahid, do you want to do it? And he's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we, we kind of had that realization after three months that we needed to build something that was viral in nature, that it did end up growing itself. And so that, that was a component of something that we thought about in the next uh, couple pivots that we ended up doing is like, nobody's going to be a salesperson. So. Yeah. So it also affects the, the product that you're going to build. Yeah. So with that realization, what's the next stage? So the interesting thing was that you could build out an incredible supply side of network with experts, you know, but if there's no demands for the supply side, who cares? <laughs> so we really focused all of our time and energy on the demand side which is like talking to organizations, trying to get to what is essentially a kernel of truth that we felt like was worth building against. And so the thing that we got was all the companies that had enough funds to potentially pay for the expert network had said, this video feedback is really interesting. It's a screen recording, has a camera bubble, but we don't want that from experts. We have those people full-time in-house, you know, like I don't want to pay for more expertise. Right. Um, 
But we do want this sort of video feedback from our customers and from our users, mm. you know, like, and when we talk to them, we're like, well, there's something called usertesting.com. Have you used that? And they're like, well, yeah, but that's also a network that's not actually our users. What's missing in the market generally is that we want it from real-time users. We want it from people on our website right now. Um, and enough companies that we hadn't planted that seed, you know, like we, we heard it in, it really is actually a relatively small number of independent pieces of feedback that you need in order to understand that it's like a bigger opportunity. Yeah, so, that you keep hearing it again and again. Yeah, I mean, we only had, call it like 20 calls and there was about five or six of them that mentioned they wanted this sort of video feedback from real-time users. And so like, I think this is what, that's when we kind of looked at each other and we had known that enough customers had said that. It's like, is this the next thing that we want to build together? Like, is this interesting to all of us? Yeah. It still is video at work and it's actually much, much harder to be clear because it's real-time users. Like you're not getting, you're not paying somebody to record a video. So like, what is the volume of people that you need to request in real time in order to get how many videos? So it's like a totally unknown question and answer, but we felt like it was interesting technology enough that it was still video at work. And we were like, you want to go it. for yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So like, and, and, and then the cycle begins again. You start, you launch its product hunt and you get feedbacks. Yep. It was another call it. This was a little bit more complex because from a technology perspective, because we needed the individual to be able to record on the website in real time. Right. And we also needed what is the mechanism that you request that feedback from. Because like a company isn't going to build that themselves. Like we needed to handle it end to end for them. Yeah. So we ended up building a JavaScript widget that was like, you could think of it as a more friendly ENPS score. It had a smiley face, a neutral mm -hmm. face, and a sad face. And it would pop up on certain websites at certain times. Right. So like there's complexity in terms of when does this widget show up. Um, and then from there, we needed to incentivize users, which is like, Hey, if you end up recording this video feedback, what do I get in return? So like Soylent was actually a company that implemented it and they offered a 40% discount to users on their checkout order if they recorded a video, right? So, so you like, already managed to book like to, to close a, a partnership that helps you incentivize the users. Well, we were building, you could think of it as like, um, design partners, mm -hmm. right? Where yeah. we had an idea and we had the six companies who said that they'd be interested in this. And, you know, we got three of the six of them to sign up to be doing regular calls with us in order to be like, are we building the right thing? Will you implement this on the website once it's done? Yeah. And so we had three that we were working with, with Soylent being one of them. So you were actually building it together with them? Essentially. Yeah. yeah. That's also a really good like a good, a good tip, like again, not just trying to invent anything from scratch, but understanding that there is a real need here and you're, you need to build it specifically for the companies who will use it. Yep. And I think that it's really, really hard to get design partners at companies that you feel like are representative of the companies that you want to sell into that um, are willing to spend real cycles with you all. You could think of them as like informal advisors, right. you know? And, uh, I think that the way that we were able to essentially get there was that, well, we had shown that we could build and ship something. Right. And so there was companies that were willing to be design 
partners with us as a result of being like, okay, I trust that they can build and ship. I think that like, don't discount having to sell essentially yourselves for design partners because so, they're so how do up. you convince them when, when you, you don't have a product yet? Well, that, that was like the one thing was that we had already built and shipped something, right? So that was mm, the initial thing. Right. And we were able to point to that to be like, some of our product building ethos, you could just tell from looking at what it was that we built here. Yeah. Right? And then it's like, well, what length of time did it take us to build that? Um, well, it took us essentially two months. Right? Um, this is a little bit more complex, but we think it'll take us about three months. And you'll have a weekly check-in with us, right? Like, we'll, we'll talk to you all the time about yeah. it. And so that way you make sure that you know that you're going to get value out of that time. But I do think that proof of work, like proof of value was like foot in the door. From there, it was a clear understanding of their pain point, right? Mm -hmm. And continuing to reflect that back to them of being like, so am I understanding this correctly? Like if you were to have this, it would solve this pain point that you are experiencing today yeah, like constant communication yeah yeah for sure and and intentional communication i think that is really really important that um, to get design partners you can't impose your view of the world on them you have to absorb their view of the world and then map your offering to that view to the best of your ability building a new product mm -hmm. how does that go Yeah, this one was interesting because we did have three companies that went live with it. Soylent was one. Um, Edmunds was another one, which is like a car sales auction website. And then the third one was a smaller, relatively unknown startup. It's called Brain FM. Um, so also like really different companies. Really like, different companies. Yeah. But I think that the... The thing about user research and feedback is like anybody who has a website needs that, yeah. right? So like even if it's different categories or industries, generally collecting video from real-time users is what we thought. And the reason why we wanted to build on it in the first place is because we thought our total addressable market was every website on the internet. Mm. Yeah, And, and so, um, yeah, very, very different companies, um, but still like they all went live with it. And... I think that what was interesting for us at the time was that there was like Soylent and Edmund specifically, they actually collected hundreds of videos from users. They had enough website traffic that it made sense. We realized that our conversion rate of like unique viewers on a page to widget to recording a video and that being successful and submitting to the platform was essentially like 0.1%. Wow. Um, and this is on not their most traffic parts of their website. Like for Soylent, it was like on their checkout page. Wow. <laughs> so they needed a, a huge amount of, of users for it to actually work. Yes. Yes. And uh, I think that that was one of the big realizations that we had was that they need a lot of users and traffic. But then on the other side of it, there is like a whole roadmap on making sense of the videos that are recorded, right? Like imagine that you're the researcher and you have 200 videos that are approximately three minutes in length and you don't know which ones are valuable, use useful or not. Yeah. You don't know which ones map to certain user archetypes, you know? And so like there's a whole roadmap, not just on making the volume game work is like, can you move it from 0.1% to 1%? Or like that's 10 X 
um, which means that you can serve a much larger addressable market with websites that have smaller traffic. But if you want to serve the companies that have the 0.1% conversion rate, it's like there's a whole roadmap over here of making sense of the videos that you can collect. Yeah. And so there was a complexity problem right away in terms of um, where do we focus and why? And then where's the payout? You know, where's the payoff in terms of actually building a revenue generating product? Sure, we could do it by transaction volume, but we are actually getting right back to the like sales that we would need to do of, okay, we got these three up and live, but we got to scrape a hundred emails per day and start sending them out out again. You You need to start again, like with the cold emails and totally like, it's still not, the wheel is not moving itself. Our thinking was that by having a JavaScript widget that said powered by open tests on it in the bottom left hand corner of a website, that that would be enough to kind of like create virality. Virality, yeah. Thing like the chat bubbles that were in the bottom right hand corner, we were in the bottom left. That was actually where the mm. bottom left came from is that if we were going to be on at the same time as the chat bubble, that we needed to be in the bottom left. And that's something right. that still remains in Loom yeah, to yeah. this day. Yep. Wow. Bottom left is where the camera bubble starts. Just like to, to, to stand out um, from, from everyone else. Yeah, the, the widget needed to not intersect with other widgets that were on the website. Mm-hmm. And the bottom left, or bottom right was very crowded. And we were like, nobody does the bottom left. We'll do it there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that stayed, but actually, like you understood that currently with the product, with the current product you were building, it's still not getting any virality. Yeah, we were the the widget powered by Open Test was not generating enough buzz. As How long, like, were you building this product? That was three months. So um, you were already like five months into trying to build something. Yep. But you yep. couldn't generate any traction. Yeah. I mean, we were... This time, we actually tried a little bit harder than we did the previous time because there was more technology that went into this. There was actually customers that were using it and getting real value out of it and like giving us feedback on their own. Like they, We weren't having to pull from them. They were like proactively sending us feedback once it was working. And we we're like, that's super interesting. Okay. Like... Shahid and I will go off and we'll try and send as many emails as we can and book as many meetings as we can. And like we did that for call it like, I think it was a month and a half. Um, and uh, just like the funnel that I was talking about on the widget side, like 0.1%, there was plenty of companies that expressed interest in implementing the widget. They're like, that's, that's actually really interesting, but we have to get it on our roadmap because it is putting a new widget on our website. It has to go through like certain mm. committees, call it, to like implement something new. And, and then you're like dependent on other companies. On other companies' to roadmaps. Grow your product. You know, they're like, hey, we'll, uh, we'll reach back. We really want to do this, but um, it can't go on the roadmap now. So we'll reach back out to you in like a month. So the sales cycle for this is like much, much longer than what we needed in order to continue to kind of fund this business because it was still all out of pocket on a personal level. Yeah. And, and generally as a startup, usually you don't have time for long sales processes no. unless you, you uh, raise a lot of money. And in today's market, the, the odds of, of doing it are not, not very high. Not very high. No. So, so you knew that you had something here, but like this realization made you change it. Um, so that was, 
Okay, so it was two months for the first product, and then two weeks after that. Then it was three months of builds, and then like a month. six weeks, after, yeah, a month, four to six weeks after that, that we were having a bunch of customer conversations. And by that point, um, we had actually had enough, again, proof of work across two different products, doing it in a compressed amount of time. And like, here's some progress that we actually raised $25,000 in from two different angels. And I'd set the thresholds because I was still living in Los Angeles at the time and Shahid and Vinay were up in San Francisco. I was like, if we can raise at least 25K is when I'll quit my job and I'll move up to San Francisco. And we wow. had like $25,000 on the mark. Wow. You know? so I got to be a man of my word. <laughs> and so in March of 2016 is when I packed everything up and I moved up to San Francisco. And we were all living and working out of the same apartment um, it was a three bedroom, but they had a third roommate. And so it was four of us in a three bedroom. Mm. And this is where we, we were like really grinding it out, trying to make this work. But again, you kind of like start to get to a threshold of feedback that you think is like, Ooh, this is really interesting, you know? Um, and it was starting to be that people were watching these videos or they would experience the recording experience, which the technology is built on a Chrome extension. Um, and they're like, I actually just want this Chrome extension to be able to record my own videos, you know, like it has this nice camera bubble. Um, and if I can just superimpose a camera bubble on top of a screen recording, that would be amazing. I would use it for like X, Y, Z use cases. And we actually heard that from a bunch of different folks that was like, can I break apart the video recording from the NPS JavaScript widget? At what point do you know that you need to stop and listen to what the the few clients you have are saying or you say i have three promising clients that are already already working with me maybe i should put everything i have into developing this product like how do you know which way to to go so i do think a big part of it that is really important from like a product prioritization perspective is that especially in the early days the level there's kind of like strategy and impact there's confidence there's reach and then there's effort right and so like you add up the first first three scores and then you divide it by amount of effort and what ends up happening in that prioritization formula is that level of effort is the most important variable of all of them right yeah. like if you have something that's a two to work on relative to an eight or a ten it's like well it's going to end up being the twos at the top of the prioritization. And so when it comes to when we went to Vinay, it was like, hey, look, people are telling us that they want this video recording capability and they want it separate from the widget. What would it take for us to like break this apart? And he was like, this is by far the easiest thing that you've asked me to do. <laughs> you know, like I've built the Chrome extension, I've built the recorder, I've built the camera bubble. The only thing that we needed to build was like two things. One was a video library that essentially if you've recorded, like it shows up someplace and you have your own individual account right. that, that um, they're recording and it ships it off to. And then the second thing is the 
uh, individual video page that is more shareable in nature because the previous ones was like total like utilitarian like just click play yeah um whereas this new video page we wanted to be a little bit nicer something that you would feel okay sending off to others mm -hmm. and so those are the two things that we needed to do and, and Vinay was like this is the easiest thing that you've asked me to do so that was how we kind of like thought about it we had heard from enough individuals independently of the same thing we thought it was felt the nicest. I don't know if like you can think about how things feel and be like, does this feel better than what it is that we're doing now, which is really complex. And this one would be like really simple, yeah. not just technology, but product wise. Um, and so we decided that like, yeah, let's break it apart. We'll keep maintaining this other one, but now we'll have a separate product that we will build and ship. So you were also managing the risks, like you, you still You're still maintaining the first product. Your users can still use it, yep. but you're also trying something that will be pretty easy to, to exactly. build. Exactly. And also like you and I, just before the recording, we were talking about intuition. Mm -hmm. And you said that a lot of founders are asking you um, about like I, I, like, I feel like I should go for something. Should I do it or should I not? Then it kind of takes me to, to these places that yep. you said like it, it, felt, it felt like something you should do. Yeah, you're never, ever going to have perfect information. And if you want that, you shouldn't be a founder um, because that is one of the few constants is that you'll never have perfect information for really important decisions. And yeah. you just got to take leaps of faith sometime. And uh, I think that that's where, to me, when we started at that point, it doesn't sound like a long amount of time, but when you are living together, when you're working together, when it's 16 hour days, like seven days a week, you build a collective intuition too, right? Like it's, it's not just any one individual. It was a conversation between the three of us and you start to have mind melds a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like we're, we're each looking at it through different lenses, like Shahid with design and like, can we make this simple? Can we make it something that like people want to share with others. Like for me, I'm like, man, this makes so much sense. If we can get people to record videos and send it to others, like that's our growth mechanism, you know? And Vinay, from an engineering perspective, he's like, this is relatively easy to build compared to everything else. Like I also think I have a few tricks up my sleeves that would make it even better for creators because I'm going to make the videos render instantly. So there is no loading time. Like I, I, I know I can do this based off of building the previous two versions of the product. I've been thinking about how to make videos render instantly, but it didn't make sense in those contexts. It does here. Yeah. Um, and so you all come together and you have this collective intuition and you're like, yeah, let's go do it. Yeah. And, and, and it's more than intuition. You were thinking of the lessons that you learned the previous time, like it all connects. So you're thinking about something yes. that will be easy to share, yep. something that will be um, not much of an effort to build. Yep. So you can, you can learn faster. And also you're, you're building on, on feedback that you already got from, from your current users. Yep. Exactly. And exactly. this time it worked. And this time it worked. It's funny to look back at our, uh, some of our pre-seed decks when, uh, You know, we had launched what was called OpenVid at the time. Like, so we still has the open part of the open test branding, but like OpenVid as it like was a separate product. Mm. We launched that on Product Hunt and it was the number one for the day. 
You had a bunch of people who were sharing it on Twitter, just being like, hey, check this out. Not just like check out the product, but people were sharing video links that they had recorded on Twitter, you know, like so actually showing the product. Um, and that was on Thursday at midnight was like the product hunt game is that you launched at 12.01. So it was technically Friday morning. And that entire day, Friday, we were just like answering comments on product hunt. We were answering things on Twitter. We were responding to email inbox. It was like just three of us. And um, it was exhausting because you had also been up the entire week before getting ready for the launch itself. Yeah. And the previous two were like up and down, you know, like you didn't really have that much work. And so we were like, let's just get it out there. It was like, no, it was like inboxes were full all day, the entire day. Um, and I was at a friend's wedding that weekend and I couldn't skip it, even though we were like running out of money because it, I knew I would regret it for the rest of my life. It's wow. like a childhood best friend. Um, and so I went to it. And that Saturday morning, I woke up and the first thing that I did was like open my laptop, open the analytics dashboards. And for the same kind of like hour window, which would be, you know, up until 8 a.m. on that Saturday. So midnight to 8 a.m., we had the first kind of like day over day overlap. And it was like how many videos were being recorded from midnight to 8 a.m. on Friday versus midnight to 8 a.m. on Saturday. And we had more videos that were being recorded on the Saturday. And so I turned to my wife at the time, uh, or girlfriend, now wife at the time, and I said, I don't know what we did, but we did it. Wow. <laughs> like you suddenly saw that things are working. It was spreading itself. You know, like people were recording. It was all over Twitter. It was the number one product hunt, uh, product of the day. And it was like, we did, like, we're going to be able to raise money. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> And I, I want to ask about that because like, did you feel at some point like that you just want to let everything go because you're describing here, like now it sounds great and that mm -hmm. the product succeeded, but you're describing a few months of trying to build something and trying to reach customers and not succeeding and, and sending hundreds of emails and, and not getting a lot of responses. I'm, I'm sure it's really hard. And also like $25,000 is, is not a lot of money. No. Like when, when is the point when, when you, where you say, okay, I'm going to give it a few more months or maybe I should give up? Like how do you handle it? Yeah, well, $25,000 is especially not that much when you're living in a Bay Area apartment, which is like incredibly expensive. Yeah. And so we were, we were like truly on the ramen and like, split chipotle burritos into two to make it for lunch and dinner sort of wow. like diets is that we were like really intense because when you're living together you can analyze everybody's like every behavior and wow. that's what we did to each other we pushed each other like really really hard um but you're right in that i think that all of us it was unsaid but you could see it in each other's eyes that like hey three strikes and we're out you know like yeah nine months and running out of funding and begging like friends and family to give us money just to keep us going. I mean, one story that I don't tell that often, but is true is that um, we actually had, because we were running out of money and a friend came to a industry event in the Bay Area and he stayed with us on the couch because he wanted to like, what's a startup feel like, you know? Um, and he slept <laughs> on the couch and uh, I was just telling him, because he's one of my best friends. I was like, look, I think we're going to run out of money, but like we have this new thing that we're working on and we're really excited about it, but we might just like 
take overage charges on our credit cards and just like try and survive for an extra 45 days um, by not paying bills. (laughs) And uh, he's like, Hey, here's, here's 10 K like, just give it back whenever you can. Wow. Yeah. And so like he gave us that float, which then actually bridged us to when we were able, it was truly like we were on the like days margin. And so when you're doing things like that and you look at each other and we hadn't said it because we weren't ready to say it yet, but we were like three strikes and you're out. If this thing doesn't work, then like we got to pack it up and go back and get real jobs, you know? Yeah. Um, Just cause like you need money. Yeah. But we, we put it like everything on the line, you know, like I would have been 10 K in debt to my friends if we didn't actually end up raising funds. And then right. I was thinking about paying student loans and that back in parallel. I was like, I got to move back in with my parents. after this. <laughs> you know? like, wow. So first of all, a good thing that the, the, the third time uh, worked. Good thing. The third time works, no doubt. And then I'm thinking like you do already have existing customers and you also want to raise, you probably like now you, you have traction, you, you want to raise more money. Yep. Um, how do you communicate it both to like current users now that you're switching, like deciding to, to pivot? What do you do with the existing users? And, yeah. and then also to, to investors, like you didn't succeed the first few times. Like how do you communicate it? How do you convince them that now you're building the right thing? So I think that this is one where we were actually sending weekly updates to a firm called 1517 Funds, which ended up being our pre-seed lead investor. And we had been doing that for six weeks. And what they wanted to do was like, hey, look, like we believe in you all. Like we we think that you'll get there. But when you do pre-seed investing, it's like so much about the founders that if you'd be willing send us weekly updates about your progress. And we just want to see how you think about the world. And we want to see your pace of progress as well. Yeah. And so we had been doing that for six weeks. Um, and uh, so that to me was like, they came over for Chipotle burritos. Um, and this was uh, the Monday after we had launched on product time. And uh, they were like, I mean, we weren't really expecting this, but like we were leaning towards giving you all money. They were thinking like 50K to 100K, but they're like, since you launched this and this is like early traction, we're on to 250K. And they knew that we were running out of money. And so they actually wired the funds before we had signed the legal documents. Wow. Um, and yeah, like it, it was, again, like we, I feel like we got really lucky in a lot of ways with like friends and like preceding investors are like, so <clears throat> that was one part of it is that <clears throat> the first and most important check was handled through weekly updates, which is like not standard for raising an initial check. But then from there, in terms of customers and additional investors, it's interesting. The pre-seed deck that we put together is like, we had this whole story around open test, right? And it's like this product and platform. And then we had a couple slides dedicated to open vid. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is our vision. And like, part of it is a video infrastructure play. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have this fun thing over here. That's like generating thousands of signups and has like <laughs> a bunch of videos, but like, you know, that's a side venture. We hadn't actually like fully processed that wow. that was like the thing. And what's interesting is there, there was a couple investors where we had started each day that went on, we were like appreciating more and more that like we shouldn't do both, that like the real opportunity is over here. It wasn't like this light bulb, like we're going after this one. And 
part of what extended it was like some investors were like, no, 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 like you should go after open test. Like that's a huge opportunity. Cool that you bu built open vid, but like, I'm not going to invest unless you tell me definitively that it will be open test and that the main thing won't be open vid. Wow. Um, and we were like, even though it had less, less users, less traction. Yeah. Because their perspective and fair at the time was that how big is the market for video recording and sharing at work? Mm -hmm. You know, like there's been plenty of screen recorders in the market. Like uh, QuickTime has been on Mac for 20 years. It's like, you don't see screen recordings at work ever. So like, what makes you think that that's going to be something that people are willing to pay for? Yeah. You kind of needed to educate the market yeah. to use, to use video all of a sudden. And our activation metrics, like if you looked at them in terms of number of signups and then like how many of them actually recorded and, how many of them shared a video, like they were not good metrics, you know, like this, this was truly like an alpha product that we threw out there as quickly as possible because yeah. we were, we were running out of time. And, but, but to us, like we, we were slowly waking up to the fact that like, oh, this is a way easier opportunity is what you could say. And that this other thing is much harder and it's also growing faster. And so like, why wouldn't we go all in on this? So when that investor kind of like came to us and was pressing us super hard on doing that, it, it forced our hands to make a decision, which is like, are we focusing on one or the other? And if so, which one is it? And again, when we talked about it as founders, like we just realized that like open vid was the thing. And, but that took us a couple of weeks to come to. Yeah. To understand that the, the big opportunity was there. Yep. And also it sounded like also now it seems like, you know, the market and it's very clear that the market is big, but you didn't really know it by then. No. And this is one of the things that I talked to other founders about too, is the fact that you don't need to have a huge white paper, uh, solidified kegger, like compounding annual growth rate like this is our tam because a lot of times you're going to go after a wedge that seems really small right like it may as the same like it may look like a toy and then it becomes a company you know like you're not going to have the like huge opportunity in front of you but what you will have is likely a unique perspective if like you actually have an idea from the beginning or you've talked to users and uh, what one of my friends says is like an earned secret, right? Um, and part of fundraising, though, is conveying that this is a massive opportunity. And so you do things like what we did, which is like, oh, telecommunications is like a $100 billion market. And if we get 0.01% of it, we're a $10 billion company. And that's mm -hmm. not right. But like, you know, <laughs> you know that's how it goes. Yeah. And, um, I think that to me, what's more important, especially in like the pre-seed and seed stage, that you so show crisp perspective around how this opportunity does grow over the course of time. And if you were to anchor yourself, you should do it on something that's a little bit more quote unquote real, um, which we didn't do for a while, but like we, it's async video, which is essentially messaging. You know, it's, it's not video conferencing, which is what a lot of investors were like, well, how many video conferencing folks are there? It's like, nah, it's async is very, very different from synchronous. And it's like, what is the biggest, most ubiquitous platform? It's email. Mm -hmm. And so we actually started anchoring the Loom opportunity, which is like, what if we only got 1% of a sub-segment of email, which is long-form emails, not like all emails. Like um, replacing... Uh, a specific form of, of emails and then you can look at the email market 
Yes. As, as a whole and not the video market not the video. video at work which almost doesn't exist exactly and and uh, then we say that look at how fast video is growing in the consumer landscape look at how enterprise behavior tends to trail behind consumer behavior and look at uh, email at work behavior in terms of raw volume and then like here's the sub segments that we've looked at and again what if we only captured one percent of the messages that That were being sent so that would be 40 million daily creators sending 3 billion looms per day wow yeah we don't have perspective on how exactly that monetizes but do you think that there would be a business associated with that I do for sure you know? <laughs> yeah and that's that's an amazing way to to harness like the the the, the VCs and the investors yep. into your vision yep Uh, amazing I know I have you have to go uh, I think I could ask you for uh, another million questions but uh, we'll wrap it up here uh, so thank you very much Joe. this has been really really fun I haven't gone that deep on the first nine months of loom in a very long time amazing. so thanks for the unique interview I'm happy that uh, we we were able to give you this opportunity um, and thank you so much and hopefully maybe we'll uh, have another interview uh, down the road a hundred percent yeah let's do it Thank you and thank you for listening. Thank you. Startup for 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 startup for